0: I'm delighted to welcome to the show today um, the very, very clever Mike Walton, who describes himself as an emotional baggage handler. So, Mike, over to you. What is an emotional baggage handler?
1: Well, good morning, uh, Elaine, uh, and, and thank you for inviting me on the show. An emotional baggage handler, I describe myself as that because what I do is I help people understand the weight of the emotional baggage that they're often pulling around you know the one where we have negative emotions anger sadness fear hurt and guilt or the limiting beliefs such as i'm not good enough i'll never have enough money i can't get into a relationship nobody likes me and et al lots of things i'm sure that people can relate to if they if they think about it and it's that emotional baggage that we actually carry unconsciously so what I aim to do is help people understand just what that emotional baggage is and and particularly how it's preventing them achieving their goals and objectives um, Continually, actually, very often. I mean, New Year's ex- New Year's resolu- resolutions are a perfect example. You know, people do them every year, and every year they seem to fail. And that is because there is some form of emotional baggage which is holding them back.
0: Is there an age, Mike, in which you've um, seen a pattern of um, emotional baggage kind of accumulates through our lifetime of course. So is there a kind of a starting point where it all kind of starts to become too much for people?
1: Well yes there is. It's and that's a very, very good question actually, because what tends to happen in my experience is that the emotional baggage will over a period of time build. So we may start with one limiting belief and the limiting beliefs then start to build. The interesting thing about the the life, I I help people uh, not only understand the emotional baggage, but how to deal with it, and I use something called timeline therapy. And timeline therapy deals at an unconscious level. But we're always seeking the first event, looking at, for example, the timing. And the first event is almost always before the age of seven. And what happens is that a gestalt, which is a series of events, a series of emotional events, will build up in the unconscious mind. And initially these things are kind of floating around with no particular hook to them, no particular label. And and then eventually the unconscious mind will think to itself, well, I'm not comfortable with all these things floating around. So I will put them into a line, a gestalt. And and I liken that to a string of pearls. And if you can imagine a string of pearls vertically, and the first pearl goes down the string where there's a knot at the bottom to prevent that pearl falling away, then subsequent pearls stack up behind it. And that's what's known as a gestalt. So the first event is very often before the, well, it's always before the age of seven in point of fact, but it's stored unconsciously. And these unconscious gestalts, if you like, will build up over the years and as people get older, so they can uh, become more evident and, and indeed more mentally debilitating with some people. Um, and, and then we can tend to get aside from, from those limiting beliefs where anxiety can kick in uh, as well. So, the more that people feel they can't achieve something because they have a limiting belief about it, they then become a little bit more anxious about it. And I can, if you want me to give you a story about exactly that, actually.
0: Please do, Mike, go ahead.
1: Well, it's somebody we both know, and but I'm not going to name her, although I do have permission to to use her name generally, but I prefer not to on on this type of media, but we we in fact both know her. Uh, and she came to see me. She originally came to see me. she thought that hypnosis might help with her her issues. Um, but after I spoke to her for a good half an hour, it was quite obvious that there were other issues. At an unconscious level. So we did some timeline therapy and we released her her negative emotions of anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. But then she said to me, You know, I really am, I'm really very anxious. We go skiing every year. Um, We've been going to Austria for the last 10 years. In fact, we love it that much that my husband and I got married there and we've been going ever since. And I'm due to go next week. This was at the time, by the way, not this next week coming. Um, She said, and I'm really anxious about an awful lot. I'm anxious about the journey from home to East Midlands Airport. I'm extremely anxious about the flight because I don't like flying. Uh, I'm anxious about the transfer at the destination airport to the destination hotel. I'm anxious about heights in ski lifts. I'm particularly anxious about my daughter and her avoiding having any accidents. And then I can reverse all of that because I'm anxious about the journey back from the destination hotel to the destination airport, the flight and back to East Midlands airport and home. And I went, whew, however, We dealt with each one of those individually and 40 minutes later, she was completely clear and completely anxious free. And I'll never forget, she came back from holiday and as it happens, she and I were at a networking meeting in Derby. And at that particular type of meeting, there is what they call a a 40-second slot, where everybody stands up and tells everybody else in the room um about what they do and so on and this lady stood up and she said i'm not going to talk about me today i'm going to talk about mike walton because i've just had the most amazing holiday uh completely anxiety free and i really can't believe what happened what he did but whatever it was it worked Uh, and that really is That really emphasises the actual power of of the unconscious mind and and what we could achieve if we broker uh, access to that unconscious mind. Incredible stuff. It is,
0: and it's also um, sad that she spent so many years going on holiday with all this anxiety. So, again, it's more testament to the build-up and build-up and build-up.
1: Yeah, absolutely right.
0: And also, and
1: and this, is, this is, comes back to your original question about, about lifespan, if you like, or is, is there a time through age? And yes, undoubtedly, in my opinion, there will be because people keep building up and building up. And actually what happens at an unconscious level is that we might say, um, I don't know, let's say that we've got an outside event which says, oh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to fly to Spain on holiday. It's, oh, yeah, great. I'm looking forward to that very much. That then goes into numerous filters in our unconscious mind. And the unconscious will say, oh, hang on a minute. You don't like flying. Remember that. And that comes out at the other end. You say, oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, God, that means I've got to fly over here. Not again. So you get that buildup of, in this case, fear, stroke, anxiety. and the And the more those come... The more the unconscious mind will remind us of it, and it's identifying what those issues are at an unconscious level and then resolving.
0: In the in the first kind of preliminary conversation you had with this lady, um, she came to you seeking hypnotherapy help that she thought would be useful, and yet you went on through the conversation to identify that actually there's more underlying stuff. So it's really worth having a chat with obviously yourself, but other practitioners as well, before engaging into, um, you know, full stream ahead, because that's a quick way, really, of identifying what the issues are and getting to them immediately, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely, 100%. When people come to see me, or indeed people who who work in, in a similar way to me, almost always what they do is bring a presenting problem but we're not interested in the presenting problem. What we're interested in is the root cause. It's the root cause that drives the presenting problem. The other interesting thing is when anybody comes to see me in the initial meeting, the first meeting, I'll sit them down and say, okay, how can I help you today? And they may say, for example, I'm depressed. My first question is really, when did you decide that? Because they weren't born depressed, a decision was made, a limiting decision was made, which leads to whatever the presenting issues that they may label depression. Now, I'm not making light of depression, by the way. Depression can be very, very serious, and there are all kinds of different depressions which often need to be dealt with medically, which I'm not trained to do. I simply used that as an example, And <clears throat> whatever they come with, whatever the client comes with, let's say it's anxiety or let's say it's a fear of heights, which is anxiety in another way, it, it's all about really, when did you decide that? So we're looking for the root cause rather than necessarily the presenting problems that they think they're coming to resolve with me initially. Dealing with the root cause removes those symptoms that they bring uh, in in the first place. So it, it is absolutely what you say is absolutely correct. It's it's and sometimes I might be asking questions for an hour before I get to a, a position where where I'm recommending the action that we should take to help them uh, resolve the issues that they have because they don't always know what the issue is. They think they know, <laughs> but. It's it's stored unconsciously. For example, let let me try and be a little bit more specific with the unconscious mind. There are are prime directives of the unconscious mind. There are about 23 or 24, actually. But there are eight which are very, very important and very relevant. The first one is that it stores memories, both in relationship to time, and not in relationship to time. It organizes all our memories, so it uses a timeline, which is the the mechanics of the Gestalt that I referred to a little bit uh, earlier. It represses memories with unresolved negative emotions. That's quite important. But it also presents repressed memories for resolution, and the final two which are important, one is that it runs the body. It has a blueprint of what the body is now and of perfect health. sort of higher self, that's probably something you relate closely to with, with the work that you do. Uh, and finally, and probably most importantly, it preserves uh, the body, it maintains the integrity of the body. So, for example, when we go to bed at night, we sleep. Some of us sleep for eight hours. I do sometimes. But whatever period of time we sleep for, we wake up and everything's functioning okay. Our heart's ticking, our blood's circulating, we've been breathing, uh, and every other bodily function, well, most of the bodily functions anyway. And all that's done unconsciously because we've been asleep. So that sort of illustrates some of the power of the unconscious mind. Bearing in mind also that the unconscious deals with 95% of what happens in our life. Only 5% of what we do is run through the conscious mind. Uh, that's primarily because there's too much information going on uh, at any given time and the, and the conscious mind can't process it. It's, if it tried to, we'd probably go balmy
0: Mm, I, I, you've asked, just answered one of the questions I was going to ask you You know, which is more powerful the unconscious or the conscious mind and clearly it's the unconscious mind
1: oh absolutely 100% and and you know uh, having a dialogue with the unconscious mind and, and understanding what it's capable of um, is, is absolutely massive you know your unconscious is listening to me now my unconscious will be listening to you Um, And, and, you know, talking to our unconscious mind can have significant effect, both positive and indeed negative. What we tell ourselves on a a daily basis, hourly basis, even minute by minute, the unconscious will listen. And and if we tell it something often enough, it will probably take action and give it to us. So you can actually heal yourself physically and mentally, using the unconscious mind. I've done it, so I know it works. Uh, And I think also what's very pertinent is that there is a direct relationship between physical pain and mental pain, or emotional pain is is a better expression. So sometimes when I work with people, Elaine, when I'm doing... Uh, Timeline Therapy, I'll say to them before I start, I'll say, oh, by the way, before we start, have you? do you have any aches and pains, anything troubling you physically? Oh, yes, they might say I've got stiff shoulders or a stiff neck or I've got a pain in my elbow or a pain in the foot or whatever. I say, good, fine, thank you. Don't say any more. Then we'll do um, the Timeline Therapy depending on what we're working with Take about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and when we've, we've cleared whatever it is we're looking to clear, I'll say, oh, by the way, how's the pain? And they'll look at me for a minute and they might shrug their shoulders or wiggle a finger or twist an ankle. And i say, do you know what? It's gone. Or oh, actually, yes, what I forgot to say, by the way, is I would, I would use the so, subjective unit of distress, which is the naught to 10 level of pain, zero being no pain at all, 10 being excruciating, uh, and ask them, if, if indeed it hasn't gone completely, whereabouts is it on the on the scale that they mentioned before we did that work? Uh, and it will almost always uh, have reduced significantly, significantly, if not gone away. So that connection between the unconscious and the conscious um, is, is fundamental. And, you know, often uh, pain is well, pain's there for a reason anyway, but the unconscious will give us pain because it wants us to take action. So it might be to see a doctor, it might be to see a physiotherapist, a dentist, or whatever. Or it might simply be saying, I want you to re- to deal with this emotional pain that you have, Because until you do, you're going to get this physical pain. Uh, People with fibromyalgia, for example. Most people with fibromyalgia will have pain. Because they live life at 100 miles an hour. And the unconscious mind is not too keen on that. So unless they slow down, the unconscious will say, well, if you're not going to slow yourself down, I'll slow you down. And give them some pain. Um, so working with people in that way to, to get them to change the way their life is, the way they behave, if you like, in life, and <clears throat> slow right down, thinking about themselves first rather than everybody else, that actually can, if we get them to agree to do that, you can then work with that pain, and you can actually um, certainly reduce the pain significantly. Not eliminate it completely. So there is that connection between emotional and physical pain, which is driven by the unconscious mind, and that comes back to the the blueprint for the body and and maintaining the integrity of the body. That's what the unconscious is doing.
0: So what we're saying is, listening to our body is crucial because Absolutely. if we can. He, by listening to what our body is asking for we can heal ourselves using the right approach so how do you how do you work out which approach is best for um your clients that come to you so you've mentioned um um the gestalt the timeline therapy uh, and what other, what other and hypnotherapy so what other therapies um are useful and do you mix a kind of combination of all of them
1: I usually mix it a combination of all of them. Hypnosis, per se, is is very, very powerful. Um, <clears throat> and what I like about hypnosis is that you can actually use it as a mind massage tool. Now, many people, me included, like to go for a massage, a Swedish massage or a Thai massage, whatever. And often I'll say to people, Do you go for a massage? Yes. Do you like that? Oh, yes. And what particular part of it do you like? Well, it's so relaxing. And, you know, when you have that massage, you you will, based on my experience, certainly, you will actually become very relaxed, almost falling asleep. And that's the mind-body connection because actually it's almost like hypnosis. So then I'll say to people, you know, given that there is a mind-body connection, Have you ever thought about having a mind massage, which could be 40 or 45 minutes of just gentle hypnosis, which I also do. But hypnosis is thousands of years old. It's been used for generations. And looking at it as an overall therapy, it is the most successful uh, of all therapies. So it says. That's not me saying it. That research says it. So, hypnosis is very good. I enjoy hypnotizing people. Actually, I'm quite good at it and I enjoy doing it. Um, I do uh, do use NLP, neuro linguistic programming, as part of the questioning techniques. So, as you've just said, excuse me, it's a combination of those three, really, initially. I also use something called timeline, timeline therapy, thought field therapy. Uh, which is that tapping thing that uh, Paul McKenna does on television sometimes, Um, although I haven't used that as much in recent years. And uh, you and I have discussed before uh, something that I used called old pain to go, um, which is using the unconscious mind or using the client's unconscious mind to accept that the pain uh, is not necessary. This is, by the way, providing they've had medical opinion, uh, and in, in most cases with my clients, they've been told there's nothing more that can be done for their pain. Um, so we get the unconscious mind to um, agree that the pain is unnecessary, uh, and get it to remove the pain effectively. Um, so I do that. I do that as well. I've, I've done other bits and pieces, but I don't. I don't use them very much these days. Those are the key things that I use these days because I as much as anything I enjoy it but when people are seeking therapy whatever label you choose to put on it whether it be CBT or uh, EFT or some of the other therapies around it still in my opinion comes back to what is the underlying cause and the chances are in my experience is that there will be negative emotions or limiting beliefs in there somewhere. And if we can deal with those, then the others aren't as necessary. That doesn't mean to say the others don't work, I'm sure they do. Um, but for me, the, the un- getting to the, the, the fundamental underlying issue to an unconscious level and dealing with that, more often than not, will deal with the issues that, that the client has. So um, there's so many
0: different aspects to this, but all basically coming down to the power of our unconscious mind. That's, that's the bottom line, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And, you know, people ask me, what, what do you do? And actually, I'm, I'm going to change my position a little bit on it because people really need to know a bit more about what I do. But recently, I've seen saying, well, I help people fix their mind. Um, I said I have a variety of integrated Uh, therapies, but the common denominator of all of those therapies, therapies is the unconscious mind. So whether it's therapies that I'm trained in and certified in, or whether it's some of the therapies that other people use, the unconscious mind will be playing a part in there somewhere. Certainly in mine, NLP, timeline therapy, which is a part of NLP and hypnosis, are all working with the unconscious mind. Um, And some of the others that I'm not certified in will be similar. So so the common denominator for me is is the unconscious mind. Yes, absolutely.
0: The the limiting beliefs um, before the age of seven, that also um, is no coincidence with the behaviour profiling that I do. Um, Some listeners will will, uh, remember that I'm a specialist in the a DISC model of behavioural profiling. And um, that also um, is linked to behaviour that we have in our early days. And the Jesuits have a saying, give me the boy until he's seven and I will give you the man. So as you yep. rightly, rightly say, all the psychologists agree um, on this point, they disagree on many things, but they agree on this point that it's in our early years that the um, behaviours form and our behaviours obviously affect our health and our career, success, our, our whole life. And uh, yeah. I have a, a, a very brief story for my limiting beliefs that I've only just realised I'm I'll be 63 in a couple of weeks. And I've only just realised that I had a limiting belief for most of my life about my ears. And um, when I was younger, I remember saying to my nan that uh, my ears stick out. And so she said, "Oh, don't worry about it, dear. When you're reading a book, put your elbows on the table, put your hands over your ears and push them back so that you're that you're kind of training your ears to go back while you're reading a book. <laughs> so for, for years and years, I actually read books like that literally years and yeah. um it was when I had um a spot of chemotherapy a few years ago, and um I was told I'd lose my hair um I didn't and i i I asked my son to shave it off." In advance so that I was in control of the situation so I ended yep. up with a bald head Um and um I was wearing all these you know scarves and different hats and things to cover up and then one day I thought actually they're not too bad at all so ever since then mm. I've changed my hairstyle and it's much much shorter and, and now people see my ears every day and I wear yeah. fancy Absolutely. earrings and all sorts and it, that's taken me like you know 50 odd years to get to that point how ridiculous is that?
1: And that's a good story, and it, it is quite interesting. I think it was Carl Jung that came up with the three seven-year periods, wasn't it, with the, with the example he gave of the Jesuits, giving the child until he's seven and I'll give you the man. Uh, children don't do logic in, in their first seven years, and they what's known as the imprint years. And then seven to 14 are the modelling years. That's when we model others, our parents, our um, parents, possibly peers or whatever, and 14 to 21 are the socializing years. And I'm, I'm reasonably sure it was Carl Jung that came up with those those three um, seven-year periods. But interestingly, you know, when we're looking for the root cause with timeline therapy, which, shall I say, will always be before the age of seven, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a minute, <clears throat> but we're looking for the first event. And what we're saying is when was the first event of, if you were to know, was it before, during, or after your birth? If they say before, we say, was it a past life or genealogical? Now, it doesn't matter what they say in point of fact. If they say it's past life, we ask how many lifetimes ago. If it's geolog- they say it's genealogical, we ask how many um, uh, families ago, so to speak. Um, so we, we're only interested in, 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 what the unconscious says, but the unconscious stores it there. whatever the, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just whatever the, the unconscious says, because we're getting the unconscious to deal with it. Now, let me just give you another example of how that works. I might be working with someone and I say, well, uh, when was the first event? If you were to know what age were you? And I will already have asked my client or told my client that it would be before the age of seven. So they'll say, oh, I was 10. So no, before that. So they'll have another thing. They'll say, no, no, I can't think. I I, I don't know of anything before the age of 10. The answer to that will be, yes, I know you don't know consciously, but your unconscious knows. Ask your unconscious. Give me the first number that comes into your head. And they will always come up with something between or before the age of seven. Within that, before, during, or after your birth. Uh, sometimes it's in the womb, occasionally it's during birth. Um, so I'm not interested, or people like me are trained in timeline therapy, are not interested in, in, in specifically when we're They just want that number from the unconscious mind. We can then deal with it. Because timeline therapy is active imagination, uh, working on a timeline, which we all have. You mentioned
0: past life. That sounds a bit woo woo and fluffy what's what explain a bit more about past life how would we know about that i know i know you, you're going to come back straight away and go oh, well it's not us knowing it, it's the subconscious or the un- unconscious um, But it, can, can you explain a bit more about past life
1: well yeah i mean i i'm actually trained in, in past life regression and a lot of people have an interest in, in past life. a lot of people believe that they have lived before um So I I can use a process in hypnosis which will allow them to potentially experience a past life. Interestingly also, a guy that did my training who's a a hypnotherapist, Uh, he lives in Norway now, but he was based in Beverly, a fellow called Steve Burgess, he's written two books on past life. Um, And Steve said to me one occasion, in excess of 80% of his clients, he uses past life regression therapy. So what he does is, let's say somebody comes to see him with a a pain in the shoulder, like an arthritic pain, for example. He will take them into a past life using past life regression techniques, which is hypnotic, Uh, and they may be or may have been Uh, a soldier in in the the days of Robin Hood in this past life, and they're shot with an arrow in the shoulder. Dealing with that event in hypnosis in past life by removing that arrow, taking that pain away then coming out of that past life and bringing them out of hypnosis, actually will, so he tells me, um, get rid of the pain that they've come to see him about. For example, now, you might say to me, do you believe in past lives? What I will say, it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. What is important is that I have a mechanism that allows people who are interested and believe they've lived before to experience it. The the interesting thing and part of the skill here, because you're talking to people when they're in hypnosis, um, if they're in a the past life, so let's say somebody says they might say, "Well, where are you?" you so, well, I'm, I'm on Lord Nelson's boat ship, and we're sailing across to France. So I might say, "Really?" And the ship that you're on, what's it made of? And they may turn around. Well, of course, it's like any other ship; it's a steel hull. Now that means that they're not in a past life. This Nelson's boat did in that steel holes. And what can happen is that we might have read a book, for example. You just gave that example of reading when you were younger, when your nan uh, helped you out with that little limiting belief you had. And we might have read a book and, and whatever's in that book, it was actually, we don't remember it. I, I read a lot of books when I was young I don't remember them particularly. But certain things in, in from that book stay in the unconscious mind. And when we relax people with hypnosis, that can come forward from the unconscious. So they relate that and think that it's possibly a past life. So really all I do with past life regression is provide a vehicle for people to experience what they believe is a past life. In the context of timeline therapy, I'm not interested um, in in the past life per se. We're simply asking the unconscious mind, was the first event, genealogical, past life, before, during, or after your birth? Whatever they say, if they say it was after your birth, say if it's after your birth, what age were you? If you were to know what age were you? So you take it from there, and then you move on to the the process (coughs) itself. So in timeline therapy, we're less interested in, in, in regression. But a lot of, and I have hypnotised over thirty people uh, in one room using the the past life regression script. Uh, and some people have say they've experienced a past life, um, but it's very it's a very personal thing. Um, as I say, whether you believe it or not is entirely up to the individual. But if people are sufficiently interested, I can certainly help them go on a journey. Um, I remember. We had an apartment in Spain for a number of years. And I worked with a young lady down there. And she had seven past lives. And we went through each past life uh, in order. Interesting. I can't just remember now what each past life was. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Because what you're doing, you know, through the relaxation, and if people are good at relaxing, uh, they're very suggestible, then the unconscious mind will come much more to the the fore, as it were, quite easily. Um, And and some of the stuff that's stored there, whether it's a past life or whether it's um, stuff that's in the imagination, doesn't matter. If that makes the client feel comfortable that they've achieved that past life, then that's great. For whatever the outcome, whether it be um, purely therapeutic and curiosity or whether it actually helps them get rid of something, in, in the case of the arthritic shoulder that I mentioned before, it is
0: very fascinating, Mike. Thank you for explaining all of that. So, how did you um, how did you come to this in the first place? Talking about past lives, tell us a bit about your past life before you <laughs> woke up to all this wonderful stuff.
1: Well, I'm relatively new to it. I've been doing it for 13 years this year. Um, my background is sales marketing. I worked for three blue chip companies in various different roles, various different industries, actually. And I was, the third of which was Fison's Horticulture, the manufacturers of Levington Composts, uh, which many of your listeners will be aware of, I imagine. Um, And in 1994, redundancy reared its ugly head. Now, I was very, very fortunate because... My boss and the HR manager, in those days the personnel manager, as they were called, labelled, um, were both relatively good pals. And they said, "Look, we've had a management buyout. There will be a restructuring, and we've every reason to believe that you, i.e., me and my boss, would be casualties of that reorganization So that enabled me to have a bit of a look round and think to myself, "Well, what am I going to do now?" Um, and I've been working with a training company. I've been using them to train. I, at that point, I was a national sales manager. I got 35 salespeople responsible to me. <clears throat> um, so I rang this guy up and explained to him what had happened. He said, Well, that's very interesting and quite convenient because we will be looking for a new tutor. Would you like to you know, come and join us? So I did. I set up my own company because they wouldn't employ me. Um, and I did that for. I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years or so. Very successfully um, enjoyed it, good revenue stream. But then training changed, and the the days of the classroom training, the type of stuff we we did, really had had its day, came to the end of its lifetime. Um, So I did one or two other bits and pieces, and then I'd always been very, very interested in what motivates people to behave in the way they do. And I've always been a very big people watcher. So in 2006, I thought, well, I'd better do something about it. So I enrolled on a a basic NLP practitioner course, seven-day course. And it just blew me away, to be honest. So quickly, I enrolled with the same company as a master practitioner. And then in October of that year, I went out to Australia to certify as a trainer of NLP, of hypnotherapy, and of timeline therapy. And I was very, very lucky to do it with Tad and Adriana James, Tad James being the creator of timeline therapy. Um, It was based on the work of Richard Bander and John Grinder in NLP. Um, And I I fully intended to run courses to certify people in, in those disciplines. But I made one very big mistake. I got a very, very uh, super-duper all singing, all-dancing website which cost me an arm and a leg, although I think I was ripped off, but that's another story. But I didn't market it properly, and I found myself in a situation where I wasn't getting any clients. I thought, well, this isn't really quite how I uh, saw the future. Um, So I started going networking back in 2010. And people would come up to me and say, this is very interesting. Can I come and see you? So I said, well, yeah, by all means. So I kind of fell into therapy. Um, stopped smoking, weight loss, which I still specialize in. In fact, I fit virtual gastric bands. Um, then I did more personal development on hypnosis because I found, A, I enjoyed doing it, and B, that I was pretty good at it. And, um, and that really is, is the kind of um, story of my latter life, <laughs> particularly. Uh, and I still enjoy doing it. Uh, it. It helps me keep the old grey matter in, in place. I enjoy helping people. And given the results that come from some of the therapies I use, it's extremely rewarding to see the change in people and see what they've Know, what they've been able to to achieve as a result of working with me um and that's really got me to where where I am today to be honest um I don't work um five days a week necessarily or I will do if people want me to um it's just a question of helping people and and I thoroughly enjoy it I meet nice people like you
0: Mm -hmm. fabulous how do people contact you Mike if they'd like to get in touch to have a a chat with you to see if you can help them they
1: can can use the usual uh, medium I have a website which is www.mhwalton.com there are full contact details on the website but I also have an email address which is mike at mhwalton.com And my mobile number is on my website, so they can give me a call. They can email me, preferably give me a call, actually, because then we can have an initial um, free-of-charge chat. Uh, And then I usually invite people along for a second chat, and we can then hopefully understand what it is they would like to work with.
0: Excellent. So that's mhwalton.com.
1: That's the website.
0: Cool. So um, I asked visitors on the show to um, select two songs. You've chosen Dance the Night Away by the Mavericks and The Power of Love by Jennifer Rush. So tell us why you chose those two songs.
1: Well, Dance the Night Away with the Mavericks, it was, (laughs) and I'm going back uh, probably now about uh, 22 years when we lived in another house, actually. And I really got hooked on that song, and, and <laughs> every now and then we would have small dinner parties for perhaps four or six people. And, and usually um, after dinner, as you do, uh, we'd put some music on. And almost inevitably, that piece of music would be put on. Next morning, our daughter, Sally, would say to me, I reckon Dad must have had a few uh, glasses of wine last night because the Mavericks were on at full volume, mm-hmm. dancing the night away. Uh, so, so that was that one. Uh, so far as Jennifer Rush is concerned in The Power of Love, uh, I think that was first released in about 1977 because I'm a I'm a, a 60s child, or was. Um, but really, when when I saw... That request on on the uh, admin stuff that we did before we went live, it was it was the first song that came from the unconscious. So I thought, well, I'm not going to try and find an alternative. The unconscious wants to hear that for some reason, or it's chosen it for some reason, more particularly. Uh, so there it is. It was an unconscious choice that decided to present itself consciously. You know, if I sat down and started thinking about <clears throat> Some of the all-time favourites. Consciously, I'd be picking up things like Bruce Springsteen, or you know, uh, some maybe some of the stuff back in the '60s. Um, I mean, I like a lot of music, actually—a uh, range of pop music, classical music. One of my absolute favourites is the New Year's Day concert from Vienna. So I've still have a range of things I've seen a lot of people live, but those those two stuck particularly in my mind from the unconscious. And that, and that really is why I chose
0: them. Fabulous. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon, Mike. It's been a real pleasure uh, talking with you. And I'm sure uh, listeners um, would have learned an awful lot about themselves and perhaps be asking themselves and their own unconscious um, delving into that uh, in the future. So um, thank you very much, mhwalton.com, listeners.
1: That, that's, that's me. Thank you very much indeed for having me. And and you know me well enough to know that I enjoy talking inevitably, uh, sometimes too long and too much. But uh, it's been an absolute delight, Elaine. Thank you very, very much for having me. And I it, I hope the, the listeners have enjoyed it and that they find something useful from it. If they want to know more about me, as you rightly say, just ask them to get in touch.
0: Fantastic. And here are your songs, Mike. Have a fantastic day, everybody. Doesn't Whatever you're doing in the coming week, don't forget we'll be live next week at four o'clock on Tuesday or Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley. So have a fantastic week and take care, be happy and be healthy.